Baseball or transformation? Is that what you got it down to? Yeah, the uh, if you can figure if you can figure out uh, that God is transforming us, or maybe He's already transformed us, transforming us into grandparents. How cool is that, right? And uh, yeah, and the timing, the timing of everything. You heard the stories this morning about the timing of God. The timing of God, Vicky. The timing of God in simple text messages. I think that there is value not only in having community here, but there's value in you having spiritual eyes that you can see things that God does. I mean, I went to church for well, really all my life, and I would say the uh, it's beginning not to be the majority but uh the majority of my life I, I couldn't see the things that god was doing because i was busy being religious and uh now i f- i know that god has uh allowed me to see things a little bit differently and i'm able to see things every every day more and more and i'll, I'll share a story at the end of today about God's right timing and appointment, just as you've shared here this morning. But talk about timing. We've been going through uh, the Gospels, getting to Thursday, the Passover. Let's just do a quick review. I'm going to ask you to review real quick. Those that you of you that were here last week, it was a little bit confusing and a little bit deep. But uh, let's do this real quick. It was Thursday... And what day was it? Like, what? It was, no, it was Thursday, but what was the month? Nisan, and the day of the month? 14th. 14th was on Thursday. And we read in the Mishnah that all the leaven in the house needed to be out by noon. Which means that this whole Passover thing, the preparation for it, was taking place noon on thursday the 14th of nisan and then peter and john says what do we have to do to prepare for the passover meal and and jesus told them to go into town and to get the lamb they got the lamb they took it to the temple where it was actually the throat was slit open by peter and john the blood was poured out and we talked about that how the blood was poured out in the basins and the priests were passing it back and forth and then finally the blood was poured out the basin of the brazen altar For the sacrifice. Then they took the leftover meat, Peter and John did, back and they roasted it for the Passover meal. This all happened on Thursday, the 14th of Nisan. It wasn't Passover yet, it was preparation for the Passover. And then sundown came the three stars went up in the sky and that signified that it was a new day because that's the way the jews saw the new day is genesis 1 1 where it says there was evening and there was day so at sundown it began a new jewish day passover began at sundown on the 14th of nisan all right you with me and then they had the passover meal which is what we're going to talk about today. 
and actually the next two or three weeks. We're going to explain the Passover meal. Then Jesus uh, walked out of the upper room, walked down this path to Gethsemane, and he's asking his disciples to pray with him. And then he ends up in Caiaphas' house, and then he ends up before Pilate, and he's tried all on Thursday night. Thursday night, the Passover began. This is still the 14th of Nisan. The new day comes, now the 15th of Nisan. It's Nisan. It's Friday. It's Friday. Still the Passover. And Jesus is crucified at what time? Anybody know? Says it specifically. 9 a.m. He's crucified. We'll talk about the sacrifice that was actually made on that same day. But last week I said there were where the Jews tie the Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which is like seven days together, makes it eight days. They're actually two separate events. Two separate events. All right, so we're on the Passover on Friday. He is crucified at nine. He dies at what time? Three o'clock. Dies at three o'clock. He's on the cross for six hours. He is buried and placed in the tomb before sundown on Friday. Alright? He's placed in the tomb before sundown on Friday. So he's in the grave part of one day. One day. He's in the grave sundown to sundown on Saturday. All day Saturday. That's two days. Two days. Once sundown on Saturday hits, then now it's like into Sunday for the Jewish day. Jesus is in the tomb three days. Not three complete days, but three days. And Jesus says, after three days, I will rise again. If you look for the 72-hour thing, like he's in there 72 hours, then that contradicts him saying, I'll rise again after the third day. So he's in the tomb three days and he rises on Sunday before sun up. Sun up. It's critical that you know that timeline. Why? Because God's timing is perfect. And all throughout scripture it lines up perfectly with prophecy about what's going to happen with the different feasts there's seven feasts that the jews practice but jesus fulfills three of these three of these feasts on that one weekend you're going to see it right here this morning now i say all that so that we can lay out what it actually looks like for the passover meal but watch this let me turn to first to leviticus 23 and this is the only passage of scripture that i'm going to look at today i know that sounds weird but uh watch this verse four these are the lord's appointed times don't tell me that god doesn't have appointed times that he sends messages at the right time He says, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. The Passover to the Lord comes in the first month, which is Nisan, at twilight on the 14th day of the month. 
The festival of the unleavened bread to the Lord is on the 15th day of the same month. There it says it's two different events. The Passover happens on the 14th. The feast of the unleavened bread starts on the 15th. It says for seven days you must eat unleavened bread. So now you're talking when you combine the Passover and the feast of the unleavened bread. It's an eight day festival. On the first day, you are to hold a sacred assembly. You are not to do any daily work. Talking about the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You are to present a fire offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day, there will be a sacred assembly. Do not do any daily work. The Lord spoke to Moses, speak to the Israelites and tell them, When you enter the land I am giving you and reap its harvest, you are to bring the first sheaf of your harvest to the priest. Watch this. He will present the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. The priest is to present it on the day after the Sabbath. What day did the Sabbath fall on for the Jews? Saturday. So on Sunday, the priest was to present the sacrifice. What day did Jesus raise from the grave? Sunday, the day after the Sabbath. He talks about the Passover. He talks about the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Unleavened meaning there was no leaven in it at that time, representing sin. There was no sin in Christ. And then the Feast of the First Fruits. Jesus was the sacrifice. He accomplished three of the different feast festivals all in that crucifixion week. Now, you sit here and you go, uh, for the Jews, the Passover is significant. It's important. I, I will struggle with teaching today because I'm a Gentile. I'm not a Jew. If you're not a Jew, then you're a Gentile. And I'll struggle with it because I don't understand. I mean, I study Jewish practices. I've studied the Passover, but I don't do this on a regular basis, so I have to study it to know what I'm talking about. But this is a significant event for them because it talks about, uh, we've said this over and over the last few weeks, the Passover when the Jews were taken into captivity by the Egyptians for years and made slaves, that the Lord actually freed them through the process of the Passover. And so now they are to remember it as a significant event. And we just read last week that he says, this is a permanent remembrance. In other words, Jesus said to his disciples, this is the last time I'm going to do this with you until I return. Jesus is going to return at some point in the future and he will again observe the Passover. He will observe the Passover again in the future because God said this is a permanent remembrance. But for us as Gentiles, it wasn't our people that were slaves in Egypt. But for me, why is it important? Because of the timing of the sacrifice. God's appointed time. It 
absolutely tells me that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he's the Savior. It affirms throughout Scripture as we sit here and read and we look through this Passover meal. I'm not going to get to it today, but we're going to take each one of these different pieces of the meal that I'm going to describe to you today and we'll attach it to Scripture and you're going to see that Jesus fulfills each one of these segments of the Passover meal. And it's crazy because it's God's appointed time. So we look at this, we look at uh, a Seder plate. I didn't make one today because I figured I'd have it up here on the stage and you guys wouldn't be able to see it. I've taken pictures of the ones. In fact, we just did this last year, last April. All right, we just went through the Seder meal. And I'll show you a picture for those of you who are sitting on the front row. You may have to like turn your neck for a second just to like look at that. That is what a Seder plate looks like. The only thing that's different from that picture right there, uh, actually show them the next picture. This is the one that we did, uh, and you'll, you'll see the actual Seder meal. You'll see five cups there. There's theological discussion whether there was three cups, four cups, or five cups. I'll explain those cups to you. But in uh, my picture right there, I actually have a bowl that's in the middle of the plate. It's actually full of salt water. My picture's missing the egg. All right, so put the two pictures together. All right. And let's kind of explain what the Seder is, the Seder meal. Seder actually means there's an order to it. Seder means we have an order. It's Jewish, right? There's rules. There's, this, is, this is the way that we do it. The way that Jesus did it, what we estimate was 30 A.D., was one way. Because there was still a temple mount where they could make sacrifices. Peter and John took the lamb, took the, and they ate the, right there. Well, in 70 AD, that temple mount was totally destroyed by the Romans. And no more sacrifices were made at the temple mount. To this very day, they do the Passover meal different. Because they have to. There's no more animal sacrifices. And the actual Seder plate, you, you can just leave that picture up there the whole time. It's fine because I'm going to be talking about it. Uh, the actual uh, Seder meal, this one that you're looking at right here, was not even uh, put together until that 600 A.D., 570 some odd years after Jesus. So the way that they do the Passover now currently Today in 2018 is totally different than maybe what Jesus did at the Lord's Supper. So let's break this down, what it looks like. Now, I said that uh, one of the things that different is you'll see the big bone there. That is the shank bone of a lamb. And they use that lamb bone, obviously, to represent the lamb that was sacrificed at the temple, which they can't do anymore. So now, today's Passover, it substitutes a bone rather than the actual meat that was prepared and eaten as part of the Passover meal. So that is the first difference that you will see there. 15 steps. I'll try to get through them real quick. I'm not going to go through all the scripture this week, but we'll break it down over the next two or three weeks. The first 
the first order was the Kaddish. This was the first cup of wine that was picked up. It was the cup of the blessing, the cup of the sanctification. Now, I've sat through uh, Seder presentations before and gone in depth with them, and you sit there for two or three hours, and the kids are just going nuts. They can't stand it. It says here that that this current practice of the Kaddish means sanctification. It means to be set apart. You actually lit the two candles because what has happened is the sun has gone down, right? The sun has gone down, it's dark, you light the two candles to say, we're starting this thing, and you say a special blessing pronouncing over this feast day. The feast day that is coming up, that you're at the beginning of the day as the sun went down. And you say a blessing over this cup of wine. And then there was no wine that was allowed between the first and the second cup. You couldn't drink any other wine after you said this blessing. I said this occurs right after nightfall, and there's a reason for this. It says, it occurs soon after nightfall while the children are still alert. Well before they become drowsy enough to fall asleep. This is the Jewish explanation of what the Seder is. So, now they're trying to like, we want the kids to be a part of this. We want them to understand our history. We want them to know what we went through, even though this was hundreds of years ago. And the second one is the Erhats. You have that bowl that's right in the middle, and it's literally, it's not that bowl that's in the middle. It's the bowl that's on the side. You would dip your fingers in there, and that was symbolizing that you were washing your hands. That's simply what it means. Your hots means to wash. And we'll read the scripture out of John 13 uh, next week and explain the hots to you. The third step is the carpus. There was this eating of the green vegetable. It's their current practice that they make. Typically, it was the parsley that was on there. And they would take that parsley and they would dip it in the salt water and they would lift it up, and it would drip. Anybody know why you use parsley? Because it symbolized the hyssop. Anybody know what the hyssop is? The hyssop is what they dipped the the bitter wine that they gave to Jesus. Now, you're sitting here, wait, going, wait, this is talking about Jews, but you're symbolizing it with Jesus. I'm telling you, everything about this thing matches up with jesus even though they didn't believe that jesus was the messiah they're using this parsley dipping it in bitter salt bitter salt just as they dipped the hyssop in this bitter vinegar and gave it to jesus while he was on the cross and this hyssop also was the same thing that they used to place blood over the door, doorpost before they left. They used a hyssop, put blood over the doorpost, so that when the angel of death passed over them, they would see there's blood above the doorpost, therefore we're not going to go in and kill the firstborn. That was all part of the Passover, and this is symbolizing that. The salt water that they use actually is talking about how God parted the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea. Remember when they were escaping Egypt? lifted his arms, spread the Red Sea, and they parted through that. Then the Red Sea closed on Pharaoh and his men. The fourth is the Yahats. 
The yahats is the breaking of the middle matzah. If you look on the right, you'll see a, those yellow, it's a linen. And inside that linen, they would place uh, the matzah. Matzah being a bread without yeast in it. And it was very, it looks like a cracker. It looks like a cracker. It's scarred. Huh. It's scarred. Hmm. And you can see through it. If you added yeast to it, you'd have a loaf of bread. But because they were in such a hurry of leaving that night, they had to leave the leaven out of it. They couldn't wait for it to raise. And so therefore, all their bread that they took with them was was unleavened. And so this linen had a piece of matzah wrapped in it. And then you would wrap that linen and you would place another piece of matzah in it. And then you would wrap it again and you'd put a third piece of matzah. You would have this linen wrapped with three pieces of matzah in it. Unleavened bread. It's like three crackers that are wrapped in it. And you place that on a plate. And then the middle loaf during this yahat, the middle loaf, you took, the, you took that middle cracker out. And you broke it in half. You took the middle out, you broke it in half, and you wrapped it in a separate linen. And then you would take this, you would take that separate one, which was called the common. you would go and hide it someplace. You'd literally go hide it someplace, and then you'd take the other half of the cracker and you would place it back into... There's a lot of rules, right? This is what they did to remember what was going on. And the Yahats is never, ever addressed in the Gospels. It's never addressed in the Gospels. Then the fifth one was the Megid. The Megid was really the time for you to tell the Passover story. Okay, kids, let's get around. We're going to tell you what happened with all of our ancestors and how they suffered at the hands of the egyptians but god did incredible things and then they would take the glass one of the the second glass of wine there and they would begin to pour it out drop by drop and as they told them again they would pour out the first drop and they would uh begin to name the 10 plagues remember the 10 plagues right these are the plagues that god brought on the egyptians to say hey let my people go and they kept doing it so they'd pour a little wine out and go water to blood pour another little bit out and go gnats or lice pour another one out frogs pour another don't make me go through them all darkness last one being the death of the firstborn they literally pour out ten drops and they remind the kids these are the plagues that the God brought on the Egyptians so that we may be set free. That was the Megid. The sixth one was the Rahats. And again, this was the dipping of your hands into that bowl and washing of your hands. All you did was dip your fingers in to symbolize that you're washing your hands. The seventh one was the Matzi. It was the blessing of he who brings forth bread from the earth. It's all Matzi means. It means bringing forth. And so they did this blessing where they actually ate the bread that was at the table before the main meal. 
they said a blessing, and this was all about, O Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. It was a simple blessing. The eighth one was this. It was the matzah. It was the eating of a small piece of the middle matzah. Remember that was broken in half and placed back in the middle. It's eating a small piece of this middle matzah and actually part of the upper matzah. It's a current practice. Each participant eats a small piece of the middle and upper. It's not much different than us taking the Lord's Supper with the little cracker. They all recite this blessing. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who commanded us concerning the eating of the matzah. And this literally points to the swiftness with which the Jews departed Egypt. We have to do this quick. Eat quick. We got to get out of here. Then there's the ninth. It's the maror. This dealt with the the bitter herbs. And again, this is a current practice. Maror simply means bitter herbs. There was a blessing over this bitter herb. The bitter herb was then uh, dipped into the haraset. The haraset was this. It's at the top of this picture. Go back to the other picture because I like it's prettier for some reason. If you can. Uh, it's the it's the seven o'clock one. This is the haraset. It's basically made up of apples, cinnamon, sugar, a little bit of wine. It's used by it, it's made with a gray root, so it's kind of grayish. But they would literally dip this bitter herb into this cherset, so you'd have something sweet, but at the same time you'd have a bitter herb. And the bitter herb was very fresh because they wanted that punch of the bitterness in there. They wanted you to remember the bitterness of this. And again, that's pretty much, uh, it was eaten without, uh, it was eaten without a blessing. But they wanted you to understand just the harshness of what they went through. Plus the hurriedness. Then the tenth one is the karech. This was the sandwich. Again, this is a current practice, and it means to combine. Two pieces from the bottom matzah with the cheriset, the gray sweet tasting on one piece, and the maror, the bitter, on the other. And it's eaten as a sandwich. It replaced the lamb. They didn't have lamb to eat, so this sandwich that they made out of these items, the matzah and these items, represented that lamb that they didn't get to eat and roast. And again, this was eaten without any blessing. We're getting there. We're almost done. The eleventh one is the shakan. It's the eating of the main meal. You can fix any meal that you want for this. This is what you finally wait. We went through these nine steps. Now we finally get to eat dinner. You know what they typically eat at a meal right now? Chicken. <laughs> yeah, they, they eat they they just some kind of chicken dish and uh, everybody gets to eat this main meal. In Moses' day, obviously, it was roasted lamb. That was required. It was required for it to be lamb. But then uh, there was also a roasted egg that was eaten to begin this meal. And the egg couldn't be cracked. Had to be perfect. It couldn't be broken. But they would eat that egg at the beginning of the meal to signify 
that we're starting this. That roasted egg was known as the Hagiga. Hagiga. It's Jewish. You're going to hear about that later because it's the same name that is described about the sacrifice that was made on the preparation of the day, the feast of the unleavened bread at 9 a.m. The Hagiga. Since there's no temple, the egg was offered in replacement of the lamb as well. It is dipped in salt as the sacrifices were salted. And at this point, uh, one is not to eat too much or to drink too much so they can enjoy the off-common that's coming at the end. Again, we'll read passages, Luke 22 and so forth. The twelfth one is the Zavun. It's the eating of the off-common. Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper or the communion. This is actually where Jesus said, all right, take this bread, take this wine. It's a current practice, and it means hidden. What they would do is, they remember, they went and hid the off-common. They would send the children to find the off-common. It would become a game. And once the children found the off-common, they would bring, the, bring that back, and that would be close to the end of their meal. Each person received the size of an olive. And at this point, with Jesus, Judas has already left. Judas is gone. So, here's the interesting thing about the off-common and the matzah is you can think about that three-compartment linen and how it represents the Trinity. But again, if we're talking Jewish, they're not thinking like that. Us as Gentiles, we think like that. You think about the off-common, it was hidden. It's kind of like the burial. And then it returned, and it was like the resurrection. And then, in conjunction with the third cup, Jesus rose on the third day. You can sit here and make all sorts of relations, and and we will with Scripture over the next few weeks. Then the thirteenth is the Barak. Its grace is set over the third cup. It's the cup of, watch this, it's the cup of redemption. Jesus rose on the third day, and this third cup is the cup of redemption. To the unredeemed Jew, the cup points to the future redemption and the freedom of the Jews. And they don't ever see it. To this day, they still don't see it. And then we get to the last two, the Hillel. It's the singing we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The Hillel, the singing of the Psalms 113 through 118. This is sung over the fourth cup. They sing the Hillel, which takes a while to do those six chapters of Psalms. And they drink the fourth cup. Then there's a 15th cup. It's called the Nertza. Nertza means accepted. This is a probably a more current addition 
in the Passover meal than it was in the previous meals. Someone states that God is pleased with how the Seder was performed. The Jews say, yep, God enjoyed that one. And it comes to an end. But then there's a discussion about the fifth cup. It's not a discussion between the Gentiles. It's a discussion between Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the Jewish leaders, even to this very day. Was there a fifth cup? Some people will put a fifth cup out and says, when Elijah returns, Elijah will settle whether there's a fifth cup. And so no one drinks the fifth cup. They're waiting for Elijah to return to settle that discussion. Now, you sit here and go, okay, what does this have to do with me today, the whole Passover meal? I'm a Gentile. Again, I will say this. I believe the Passover meal, as you watch us break this down over the next two or three weeks, you're going to find Jesus, 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 Jesus in this Passover meal. Why is that? Because God's timing is appointed and perfect. I believe it with all my heart. I share a personal story with you. It has nothing to do with the scripture. But just to prove a point. My friend Bubba sat here on the front row for years. I hung out with Bubba on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Mike and I went to to dinner with him, and Wednesday he was at the Tyners hanging out with the students, and we were talking about coins, because he was a coin collector. And that night, he brought me a coin. I said, I've got every quarter, every state quarter except a Montana D. And Wednesday night, before he died, about five years ago, I don't remember how long ago it was, he brought me three Montana D quarters. And Thursday morning, I got the call that Bubba died. Hung out with him Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And one of my best friends that was here, I mean, he's a big guy. <laughs> He sat on the front row and everybody had to look around him. Uh, but to this day, I've carried a Montana D quarter in my pocket because I love Bubba. <clears throat> and uh, Memorial Day weekend, I went to see uh, Solo with Corey. We have uh, our family got the movie pass, so we go see movies all the time. It's a great deal there, movie pass. No, no plug, no promo. Uh, but uh, we get to go see movies, so I'm sitting there in solo in the middle of the movie. I reach in my pocket, I pull my hand out, and I hear that quarter hit. Kicking, kicking. And I'm like, I got to remember after this movie to get that quarter. You know, digging the dark theater or whatever. Movie ended, I walked out, totally forgot about it. Got home, like, oh man, my Bubba quarter's gone. I should go back up to the theater. I just need to go to another movie and go in there and check. Friday, Michelle and I went to see another movie. It's like three or four days later. I'm going to go down and uh, screen four real quick before this movie starts. There's already a solo still playing. It's in the middle of the movie. I go and I, I find this 
seat where I was sitting, and I, yeah, I did the gross thing, open thing, got on my hands and knees and looked under there, trying to find, it's gross and Trish out here. It's popcorn everywhere. No quarter. It's like, ah, man, at least I looked for it. <clears throat> so yesterday we decided to go see Ocean's 8, me and Corey and Michelle. Movies are free now because of Movie Pass. Uh, I, you know, we were standing there, pick your seat. You know, it's reserved seats. It's a pretty full theater, probably about 80% full. Just pick these three right here. There's close. Get my get our tickets. Corey diligently passes out, you know, where everybody's going to sit, hands me a ticket. I go in. They take my ticket. You're in theater four. Oh, theater four. That's where I lost my Bubba quarter. I was getting a little excited. Maybe I can go look one more time. What's my ticket? The exact same seat that I was sitting in when I lost my quarter. C5. You realize there's like 12 screens there, right? I'm on the same screen and Corey handed me a ticket, the same seat that we sat in like two weeks ago. Oh, I'm going to look one more time. Recline the chair, got on my hands and knees, turn on my flashlight, and no movie playing this time so I can look a little bit more. No quarter. No quarter. So we're sitting there, and I'm, I'm all right. I, I've kind of gotten over it now. It's like two weeks, plus I had another one of quarters with the quarters in as a backup. But I'm still thinking about it. And then I do the gross thing. I put my hand down in the side of the chair. Yep. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That Bubba quarter was sitting right there on the rail. Same theater, same seat, two weeks later. Here it is. You can't tell me that God doesn't have perfect timing. I believe it with all my heart. I think he made me wait two weeks the day before this message just to tell you that story. My God is real. Jesus is for real. He's all about timing. I can't explain it. I wish I could, but I believe it with all my heart. Father, I pray that uh, you just uh, make this whole thing that doesn't even make sense to us become real to us. That we can take what happened over 2,000 years ago, make sense of it for the right time and the right place right here in this very room. And you become real in here so that you do transform lives and we can still hang out together. Lord, that, I'm not in the business of transforming lives, you are. And you'll do that through your word, through your spirit. I pray that you do that in this room. That you transform lives and even that we may come to understand that transformation. May we walk in it. May we live in it. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.